0: we're here with Carl Zaw with the silk and steel podcast um we're gonna talk about mulan like the i guess a real story of mulan right um yes but i want to address something that happened to carl this week um I, what i call was like it's kind of like crony journalism do you want to talk about that carl
1: oh sure um so just a few days ago i have a I saw a direct message from a journalist uh, requesting interview with me regarding the Xinjiang issue. Um, is, this is Isabel Kakarot from CODA Story, mm-hmm. and I'm reading her exact message. Hi, Carl. Thanks again. Um, actually, no. Here we go. Hi, Carl. Hope you are well. I'm working on a piece about Xinjiang and differing narratives about the Uyghur situation and the presence of camps. I was hoping to speak with you about it. In particular, I would really be interested to hear your response to allegations that you work as a propaganda influence operation. Do let me know if you're willing to talk. Many thanks. Okay, so after I saw that message, I went to check out her media outfit, Koda's story, mm-hmm. and the, the pinned story the, um, the, on their Twitter account, the top story that was pinned was a hit piece on friends of mine, uh, independent journalists on the Grey Zone. Uh, so Max Kuhlmanthal, Dan Cohen, Ben Norton, Ajit Sin. Um, mm-hmm. It's specifically attacking their investi- investigative reporting on Xinjiang, right? And um, so I expected <laughs> when she... Uh, when she was going to interview me, it's not going to be a glowing, uh, it's not going to be a glowing story about myself. Uh, and a lot of people asked me, uh, you know, after her article came out, which did turn out to be a hit piece, many people asked me, why did I decide to do an interview with her when <clears throat> I could probably reason- reasonably expect to be a hit piece? Now, I want to, I want to address that because... Um, there's an ancient Chinese idiom actually first uttered by, <coughs> uh, spoken by the Chinese governor of Kashgar in Xinjiang, uh, a, a, din- a Han dynasty general, right? And he said, which means if you're not going to the tiger's den, how do you expect to, uh, to retrieve tiger's cup? right? So yes, I expect it to be a headpiece, but I also thought this would be a good opportunity to expose how the Western media narrative about Xinjiang is constructed.
0: Yeah,
1: and, and so I ag- I got her agree on record to be recorded, and I with an explicit purpose to use a recording for my show. So she agreed, and I had a copy of the full interview. And when the, her piece came out. Of course, it, it turns out to be a hit piece, and she put out um, like a very accusatory uh, tweet. And her tweet is, um, I'll, I'll read it. I'll, I'll, I'll read her tweet. Uh, it's 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 quite something. Uh, let me let me pull it up. Uh, let me pull up her tweet. Right, I this is her. This is her tweet. Okay, um, it's about Cockroach I interviewed Carl Zha, Xi'an, Jerry Gray, who ignored overwhelming evidence of Xinjiang human rights abuses and cast doubt on the detention programs tearing Uyghur families apart. So before you even read the article, she already set the tone. What is it about? Right? Yeah. And inside the article, there was a, there's a lot of uh, insinuation about me. And this is what she... what. Uh, what she she wrote about me so she says um oh, oh the title of the article by the way is pro-beijing influencers and their rose-tinted view of life in xinjiang a network of social media personality casting doubt on the Uyghur abuse in xinjiang okay so that's her title and byline and and that now this is how she wrote about me um mm-hmm. So she, over the past two years, uh, Carl has become known for his content about Xinjiang. His posts are devoted to attacking Western reports of human rights abuses in the region and painting coverage of Uyghur oppression as an influence operation designed to incite tension between U.S. and China. That part is actually true. (laughs) There's no lie detected there. Okay, and then... um, and, and then she she says, uh, you know, I spent my days surfing in the turquoise green water of Bali. And after after I'm done with surfing, uh, then I returned to my full-time job as an influencer on social media. Right? <laughs> so she's... <laughs> she's never been to Bali. She has never... I, as far as I know, she's never been to Bali. And I never talked to her. About the actual color of the ocean in Bali, I, I I barely talk about you know my surfing life. I only mention it because she asked me yeah. about my daily routine, I and I, that, I, yeah. I told her I came to Bali because originally because I came to surf, right? And and also she paint me as a as a social influencer, you know, like when you talk about social influencer, people normally think about those like Instagram <laughs> celebrities or TikTok celebrities, which I I'm none of those. And I also told her explicitly on the interview that I don't view posting on Twitter as a full-time job. I, I, I even told her I'm just a, I'm just a shit poster on Twitter because I have a lot of free time on my hands. But I luckily though, I did retain the full interview with her. Um, and I before that, she agreed to be be recorded, and she agreed uh, that I can it can be used on my podcast. But right after the interview, she sent me a message. She says, "Oh, I check with my company uh, policy. It turns out that my company sees our interview as our company asset, and they, the company policy prohibits uh, it being used in a, another show." right so so it's that that to me is very shady <laughs> like she agreed to something and then she take it back and then she offered to post the transcript i thought okay that's that's great if you can post a full uh, transcript of the interview people can see and judge for themselves and then i thought oh wait a minute she said she's going to post it to her medium article so i questioned that i say well, what do you mean the me- your medium article is that going to be the same article as the article that's going to appear in your news media, in the CODA story, because I don't want you to write a story about me in your news organization and then write a meeting article with links to our my uh, to our interview, which nobody will read about. And so she didn't deny that. And she said, well, my offer still stands here. I already published the article. <laughs> so I, I just... It's just leave a very bad taste in my mouth. I mean, it's very, very deceptive, very, very manipulative. And, and in the end, I decided to publish the full interview on my YouTube channel uh, for people to judge for themselves, you know, what uh, actual content of what I said versus Xinjiang versus what she reported. And, and, and it's really eye-opening. I mean, you can see how Western journalists cherry-picking facts and taking quotes out of context to fit a boiler template of their narrative about what Xinjiang's story should be. And you know you know, she if she's so dishonest in her dealing with me, you can just imagine what her other report on Xinjiang would, would be like. And by the way, she actually won a European press reward for her reporting on Xinjiang issue but on her interview with me she admitted that she actually never traveled to Xinjiang herself so this is one reason i i decided to to do the interview because i thought it was a good opportunity to to kind of lift the hood of the western uh media narrative construction and let people see you know how much crap there is
0: yeah i agree i think western journalism's or journalists are like Just full of shit. You know, this whole thing. And, you know, it it transcends to, like, American left, too. The American left is, like, starting to criticize China. But they do it in a Western lens. And this is why we're doing this podcast, or this, like, you know, collaboration between me and you so people can understand the history, you know? And I feel like people criticize China without actually knowing the history of China, you know? Yes. Yes. So, I, yeah. I like
1: to say, you know, a lot of the conversation in the West about China is really not about China. Is they're using China as a foil to project their darkest fear and their and their own feelings, failings. It's like the it's like China in their mind is this dark mirror of their own country. You know, in terms of the U.S., it's a, you know they everything. If you just think look at all the reporting about China in the U.S. Surveillance state, right? Oppression of minorities, uh, genocide, right? Yeah. Everything is what was what had happened or what is currently happening in U.S., right? In U.S., we actually have um, internment camp. We have concentration camp on the border. Uh, we we are a, we are have a high, very high incarceration rates. Of the minority in this country, um, we had committed genocide against Native Americans. Yeah, and, and we are living a surveillance state when an NSA can read your Google email, right? And and all the U.S. big tech company is embedded with U.S. government. And Snowden file has told us that. So <laughs> people just assume okay, because U.S. is doing these things, then China must be doing the same thing without much evidence. Right and, and and China just becomes this projection of like this uh, this barzaro world of what U.S. actually is, mm-hmm. um, and and I I need to remind people that you know like we can't the the whole world does not revolve around U.S. You know, I understand it's very natural for people in U.S. to have this very American-centric view of the world. They think they are the center of the world where everything is about them. Uh, Well, I have news. Not everything is about you. And people outside of U.S. actually think and act different from you. You know, you can't just take your American-centric view and then project and, and, and apply to other people, and especially people in the global south. I'm sorry, that does not work.
0: Yeah. You know, she, she, she tried to paint you as like ignorant by not knowing or not having conversations, you know, with people in that area. And, um, and we told her you did talk to them, she ignored it and then she changed the dates and then she tried to yes. paint you as like insensitive and then she tried to paint oh, you as like a, like a propaganda machine. I was just like what the fuck? And and then tried to guilt, I, 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 guilt you, you know, guilt you into like, well, why don't you, you know, like uh talk bad about China, but like like fuck you. Like why do I have to talk bad, bad about China? You know, it's fucking
1: weird. The whole west, yeah, the whole western media is talking bad about China. Yeah, man. Why do I need to add to that? You know, my the whole point of me on the mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on social media and podcasts to talk about it, is to present the alternative view. You know, if people want to talk about bad, bad about China, they can tune into CNN, Wall Street Journals, New York Times, Washington Post. You know, it's all there. And it's, it's, in a way, it's uh, um, like she, she accused me of suppressing the Uyghur voices uh, I and I, I, I question her. How can I, a small podcast, be suppressing Uyghur voices? You know, when all of you big shot journalists, you know, are giving platform to uh, the Uyghur in exiles, right? And and I have told her uh, that I was in a WeChat group with people from Xinjiang, both Han Chinese and Uyghur, and and the the, the WeChat group was very active until 2017. After 2017, the traffic had I drop a lot but I did not say I I, I did not talk to Nate we after that and on, on top of that her article about me was already a cherry-picked of uh, uh, taken out of context version and then her article is being quoted by other people who further distort the story there was a anthropologist uh, also an anthropology uh, researcher Darren uh, Byler, who is often quoted by, by the Western media on Xinjiang issue, he quoted her and said, wow, you know, Carl Zha, who have never actually talked to a Uyghur, right, uh, uh, was posting about Xinjiang issue. When you look at the article he quoted, which is her article, she actually mentioned I was in a WeChat group with, uh, with, uh, with Uyghurs until a few years back. Right, and, and 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 then that article, and then uh, Darren Byler's tweet was again quote tweeted by none other than Adrian Zenz, the main source for Western mainstream media about uh, for for the the supposedly one million Uyghur in concentration camp story, right? Adrian Zenz, the the German researcher, employed by victim of communism, and he this is the guy who wrote in the book. Uh, Beyond Rapture, he believed that all the Jews who refused to convert to Christianity will be killed in, in a, a, a cleansing fire, right? I mean, this guy is the, the anti Semite. He doesn't even hide his views in, in his own publications. Yet, this is the guy that's been quoted by all the Western mainstream media as the source on the Xinjiang 1 million Uyghur concentration camp story. Okay. And, and and he then tweeted, quote-tweeted uh, Darren Beiler about, you know, about me. <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, Carl out. who hasn't talked to a, to a Uyghur person since 2015, um, which is not true. I, 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 I was in that WeChat group in 2015, and, and I even said in the interview, and also appeared in the article, that I have talked— I, the, 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 the WeChat group was uh, you know there was regular conversation up to 2017 right And so so you if you look at all these Xinjiang scholars, Aaron Beiler and Adrian Zenz, who are quoted by everyone by all the Western mainstream media about Xinjiang, they're so dishonest to to, 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 um, to smear me right based on easily falsified facts. How can we trust them on the Xinjiang story they're telling to the in the media, right? I mean, like this is the whole reason I did this interview to really expose this cabal of people who are, um, you know, trying to fashion a story out of like a little bit facts here, but really cherry pick and construct constructed together to to paint a really dark picture of what's happening. Yeah. Right. I think, and, Go ahead. And sorry. and, and, and t- on top of that, I did a little more research on um on, on on Isabel's media outfit Coda story. It turns out it's in link with the Integrity Initiative, which an organization founded by UK government and NATO to fight supposedly Russian disinfo. Right. So this is an organization that's there def- is actually government funded, and Coda Story received a hundred eighty thousand uh, dollar award from National Endowment for De- Democracy. So <laughs> Isabel is working for an organization that's state funded, and that's that's funded by NED, and she's accusing me of being a um, Chinese government propagandist. But she's accusing me of what? What she is, right? She is actually the government propaganda. She's being paid to do this job. I, I'm not being paid by the Chinese government. I'm being paid by my patrons on my Patreon. That is a difference.
0: But that's why ju- ju- uh, Western journalism does is try. it tries to silence out alternative voices. You yes. know, and th- that's what happened to you. And I, I, I was listening to your uh, recording, and I was just mad about it, but you know that's you know west that's what it is i mean twitter and and social media is full of like people that you know don't have full conversations and when the conversation they have is loaded it's fucking stupid
1: i'm actually grateful for uh my followers on social media because they they uh you know they actually (laughs) um provided me with a lot more information for example on um the the researcher uh, adrian zenz who is responsible for all the xinjiang atrocity stories and uh, uh and the uh, darren byler who has been quoted by by you know uh by the rest and and it turns out uh, so so someone asked you know adrian Zens supposedly scholarly research is it been, has it been peer reviewed it turns out it has it's been peer-reviewed, none other than his buddy, Darren Byler, right? These two guys who, who, who tweeted to, to, to in a smear campaign against me <laughs> based on very easily possible facts are the ones who, you know, they support each other. They peer-review each other's article. And then those articles get reported on the mainstream media as, uh, you know, scholarly research. Oh, uh, yeah, so uh, Ms. Isabel... Challenged me to talk to you know not just Uyghur inside mm-hmm. China who actually lived there. She challenged me to talk to Uyghur in exile. So I um, I, I took her up on that and I, I sent out uh, my reply. I say you know, Isabel, since you you claim have to talk to hundreds uh, and uh, maybe you you claim you talk to hundreds if not thousands of Uyghur in exile. Go ahead and introduce me to one or two. I will be happy to host you know a different viewpoint on my show as I I did before you know I hosted a pro Hong Kong protest guy a Hong Konger on my show before to air his viewpoint so I, I'm happy to host a Uyghur exile person um and then Arslan uh Arslan the guy who uh <laughs> post a lot of tiktok videos from china and take them out of context uh he actually volunteered he he replied to me that he's willing so i replied to him you know let's 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 do this let's go ahead and set up a time and date and and i'm perfectly willing to host you on my show uh you know i i, I believe facts speak for themselves i i you know i don't need a i have nothing to hide and i'm know we can have a very frank discussion
0: yeah i would be really careful about talking to any of those exiles for example if you talk to like a cuban exile he's not going to have you know an accurate description of what's going on in cuba right so like you know of course they're going to have agendas so you know talking to exiles is kind of like i don't know man it's really tricky but you know let's get into the mulan (laughs) yes yeah
1: let's let's Mulan so uh, we are the Disney Mulan movie is uh, is supposedly coming out soon and I thought there's a good opportunity to talk about the actual history behind behind Mulan right and so yes Mulan has some historical basis Um, and the, 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 the story of Mulan actually originated as a poem, um, it's a it's a poem and more like a like a song. It's it's actually lyrical. It's 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 to be to be performed and sung, and, and it's called the ballad of Mulan. And and to give a little bit of historical background, I actually wrote a uh, actually wrote a tweet um, on on the whole history of Mulan, the the, the historical background in China that led to the hist- history of Mulan. So many people would have uh, known about the Three Kingdom period of China because now there's a proliferation of video games, you know, Dynasty Warriors and uh, Total War Three Kingdoms. So so more people now in outside of the East Asian cultural sphere know about Three Kingdoms. Uh, now the Mulan story follows that. Right? So in in uh, it, during the Three Kingdom era, you know the Han Dynasty China fell apart, it collapsed uh, into you know fashion, some competing warlords, right? Which eventually consolidated into three kingdoms, and the three kingdoms were finally unified after a a hundred years into the Jin Dynasty. But the Jin Dynasty rule of China was short-lived. Uh, you know, it only ruled China as a unified entity for around 15 years. And then, um, actually, 11 years into the unification, then China is, again, devastated by civil war. And, you know, the different... Um, the the Jin, Jin Dynasty is torn apart by what is known as a War of Eight Princes. right? So eight, eight princes of Jin Dynasty, they... They started to fight for the throne, like the real Game of Thrones style, and this this happened in two ninety one A.D. And to give you an idea of the devastation of the war since end of Han Dynasty, um, you know, at the peak, the Eastern Han Dynasty had sixty five million people at its height. Uh, by the time of, uh, of Jin Dynasty, there's only thirty five million people, and so so. The population nearly half, and through the War of Eight Princes, the population will be reduced again. And and when the when the Jin Dynasty was Jin uh, when the Jin Dynasty was into the chaos of civil war, uh, that allowed um, that opened China for invasion from outside. In fact, during the civil war, a different is they try to loop in uh, different steppe people, different nomadic tribes on the border of China to to fight on their side, and so a lot of uh, um, so the next period following will be uh, known into as the six kingdom, the sixteen kingdoms period. So so the Jin Dynasty totally collapsed. Uh, the the imperial capital of Luoyang and Chang'an was sacked, and out of the chaos, a lot of the uh, nomads from the northern steppe, they moved in, and then they fought for control over China. But eventually, um, in a few hundred years, a couple hundred years down the line, in 439 AD, a nomadic uh, people uh, they named Tuoba from from Mongolia. They came into northern China and they unified the entire northern China under the Northern Wei Dynasty. Now, in the Northern Wei Dynasty, because it's founded by uh, the Korean step people, they brought in a lot of the culture, of the nomads, and 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 the the culture of nomadic people are quite different. From the sedentary culture of china and in fact the in the nomad culture women generally enjoy higher status in society um and and the nomadic women actually fight in wars uh, one of the features about um a nomadic society is there's not that many people that are living on the step because uh, the life of of nomad nomadism doesn't support a high population right so when you are fighting a war, every every able body is required to pitch in. So, including women, right? Nomad women they, they know how to ride horses and how to shoot arrows as well as a man. And so, they consequently they also enjoy a higher status in society compared to a more sedentary Chinese society. And and that that influence was brought over into northern China. Um. And as the Tuoba people, they left Mongolia to, to conquer northern China, uh, the the people, another group of nomads uh, called Zodan actually step in and unify the, the, the Mongolian step, And then they start to become the next threat to the northern China that was founded by Northern Wei dynasty. And then the, the, the Northern Wei and Zodan in mongolia then engaged in this back and forth war for 100 years so this is a historical background of mulan right and and the, the mulan story of mulan as i mentioned before come from the ballad of mulan and and in the M- mulan um we can even see a lot of the traces of the kind of the influence of nomadic culture right and and in uh, one of the one of the poem one of the um, stanza in the in the ballad of the one is it's, which translated into into English is last night saw the army notice the Khan is calling up an army. So this Khan is referring to the Northern Wei import, the Chinese import, Khan, right? Because this is he, the, the ruler of China at this time, you know, has nomadic origin. That's this is that's why their their title is is uh, Khan. It, it's actually around this time the title of Khan or Kagan was being adopted um, as uh, as a title for the nomadic chiefs, right? Um, so so the ba- ballad of Mulan again. Uh, was born in this time when there's a lot of uh, nomad influences in northern China, and that is why, um, you know, like like people find it uh, in the Disney depiction of Mulan is a little bit different because they, they depict it more as uh, Mulan was fighting against uh, the, the patriarchy imposed gender roles to to volunteer uh, to fight instead of her father. So in the original poem, uh what is mentioned is that yes, Mulan did uh end up cross dress as a as a as a man he joined the army of her dad. Right? That's 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 the original ballad. But again, you know the cultural the cultural environment in North China it was different. Different at the time. At the time, you know, it was actually acceptable, right, for for, for women to participate in warfare. Um, uh, and and Papa, you know, again, you know, the, it's it's it looks very different now. To look at Ballad Mulan versus Ballad Mulan. At the time, it was constructed, right, and and and. Uh, so so the mulan it's not recorded in in the, it's not a historical record itself it was a as a is a art of a, it's 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 a it's a it's kind of a fictionalized account, right and sorry do you have any questions at this point
0: no i'll, I'll ask questions later
1: okay okay good
0: good good
1: so um one thing in the Disney version, uh, there's a lot of um, so I I only saw the trailer, obviously I haven't seen um, the actual um, the actual final product maybe I will see it, but but in the trailer, for example uh, the Mulan's village was depicted as very green rice field Uh, basically it's uh, a scene from southern China. And the, the, the home village of Mulan is in this um, the classic Hakka dwellings in far south China. But the actual story of Mulan actually took place in northern China. And Mulan was, uh, you know, in the Ballad of Mulan, there's reference to she rode up to Yellow River, and then they rode up to uh, Yansan Mountain, which is a mountain in uh-huh. Mongolia. And so, so according to the ballad Mulan, she actually uh, was away from her family for ten years on co- campaigns, uh, you know, in, on, in the borderland, on the steppe. And at the end of the ten years, she returned to her home village, and and her you know companions, you know her her comrade in arm who, who 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 accompanied her to the village you know weighed her outside her house and she went in and then t- took off her armor and then changed uh changed into women's dress came out and her her, her comrade in arms were shocked because they, they did not realize for 10 years that Yulang was a woman right so that that was a that was a poem um any, any questions? No, no So questions? you
0: you never seen the movie? The cartoon?
1: Yes, yes. I, I have seen the cartoon. Oh, okay. Course. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, well, you've never seen the cartoon. <laughs> we always talk about movies.
1: No, no, no. I, I'm talking about the live action Disney movies. Oh, no, that's actually, not coming Disney out until
0: like next next month. Yeah,
1: September. Yeah, September. September when it's going to be uh, available online, I guess. So is, is there like any now. other
0: inconsistencies in the movie that you've seen the cartoon
1: well I mean it, it's it's a it's a work of fiction I, I know like it's not uh, I think one like the, I, I I love the cartoon by the way I think it's great I, and my fiancé love it but in a way um the the mulan cartoon didn't resonate as strongly inside china i think for a reason because the chinese audience is already very familiar with the mulan story and the disney version of mulan is really a retelling of the mulan story through american lens yeah and and sometimes through like asian american chinese american lens particular right it's it it has a lot to deal with um you know a young woman finding her place um, in society, and you know, be accepted in her family, and and then you know, making her way through this uh, very perp- uh, very patriarchal society. Right. That's these are like very relevant in contemporary U.S. Right. And, and but but in in China it didn't quite strike the court that we did in us because i think people in china does recognize uh, it's like american product it's it's, it's told through a, a it's a it's a chinese story original chinese story but told through american perspective
0: yeah i want to i want to um, i want to have a question and comment yeah so i agree with that because when the movie came out crouching tiger or oh, is it uh Custom Tiger Hidden Dragon, right? Um, it was a good movie, right? Uh, yeah. it, I'm guessing it was made in China, right? Obviously.
1: Yes. Yes. So okay. director Lee, is actually he's a Taiwanese American. He was born in I mean he he grew up in Taiwan, was that right? So well he's with, pretty familiar with uh, the, the Chinese culture, obviously. Was he was so that I,
0: movie well re- received in in China? I'm, ah! Ah!
1: Yes. Yes. So. So it was okay. It was like uh, I think it, it had more. Um, it was more accepted in China because it was widely accepted in the West. It, it kind of got that, that boost because it, it was we gained wide popularity in China, uh, in the West first. But really, the uh, you know, from my impression, the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it was just seen as another uh you know, kung fu um kung fu movie which is okay like like kind of middle of the road, middle of, of average because um, you know china and hong you know there's there's tons of hong kong kung fu movies chinese martial arts movies um so for for people who are already familiar in that cultural environment the crossing tiger head and dragon didn't really stand out does that make sense
0: yeah yeah, so the reason I'm asking is because they made a part two, and like the actor spoke in English and it was like horrible, right? Oh so, wow, I did not even
1: know they made a part two. <laughs> yeah, there's a part
0: two on Netflix, and you know my brothers. Yeah, because I always tell people, you know, I always talk about this show how my family is. You know, my my stepbrother, not stepbrothers, stepbrothers My um, half brothers are Chinese, and and you know we all watched that movie and we all review reviewed it after. And we were like, that's fucking horrible movie because like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's weird to see a Chinese movie in English. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was just like, um, I don't know, man, I, I used, I used to didn't like it, you know, in part one, I, you know, I liked it, you know, um, it's, it was, it was good. I mean, I mean, I, I like other, I like other Chinese movies better, like hero, you know, but, yes. Yes. um, but that's just my opinion. Well,
1: I- well, I I don't know I I I, I, I have conflicted feelings about Hero uh, Zhang Yimou because Zhang Yimou uh, the director he started out as a c- cinematographer in China mm-hmm. so his movie visually is stunning I mean like the it is the visual element of Hero is just amazing is, but yeah. I feel like he could do a little bit more with the story itself because uh, you know he used a He's a fan of Akira Kurosawa, so he used um, uh, kind of the the same storytelling uh, style of Rashomon, right? Basically telling the story, same story from different person's perspective. Yeah. It becomes a different story. But the story itself still needs... I think if... He was more concerned about the idea uh, of the, the movie was trying to convey rather than telling story I, I think more needs to put in to, to flesh out the story itself because it's really about the assassin a real life assassination of the first emperor of china which yeah. actually took place in yeah. history and and there's actually uh you know i feel like there's not enough to develop the, each character there's not enough character development um uh, and but that that's my my gripe about heroes. But I in general I agree with you. They're much better Chinese movies. Uh, yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is is good. You know it's it's good. But uh, compared to other Chinese movies, it doesn't really stand out above the pack. You know because there's there's much much better Chinese uh, martial arts movies. That's very uh, you know much more engaging. And. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy it. I, in, so I enjoy Bulan as American Disney cartoon. Yes. Right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love, uh, Mushu the dragon, you know, Eddie Murphy. How could you not? Um, and I'm also very disappointed that they did not bring the captain Sun back in the live action remake. I mean, how, 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 how could they not, how could they leave out, uh, you know, Captain Son, you know? Yeah. He's <laughs> like one of the most popular, uh, you know, Disney princes. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. Yeah, It's that, that's right. the thing with, with these American movies. This is why I'm kind of skeptical about watching the new one, because it's like, I don't know, you know, I, I read an article, like they they were, they got like, um, what's that Advice, you know? From Chinese advice, I don't know who was the advice of the Mulan movie, but I was like, uh, you know, hopefully it wasn't the same advisors as uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon number two, because that was horrible. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just saying, man. Yeah,
1: I think the I haven't seen the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Don't, don't even two, watch it. That don't, is, don't watch it. It's, yeah, r- just, it's worthless. <laughs> Yeah, that just sounds like a, a a way for the Hollywood studio to squeeze more money out of the franchise. You know, they, yeah. they just yeah, it's you know Weinstein brothers. They're they're the worst. They used to buy up all these rights to uh, Chinese movies, bring them to U.S., and then they do some very horrible edits, right? I because I seen the Jet Li's movie Warlords. Um, I seen the the, the, the the director's cut in uh, on, on Chinese streaming site, and then I watch it on the Netflix version. Netflix version is like I'm like what? And then like it didn't. I I especially after I saw the d- director cut version, the the next Netflix version just didn't. It's very incoherent. It's like you, it's very confusing because they cut out a lot of the story just to you know, focus on all the more flashy bits, like all the wars and stuff. Yeah, But, but then they take out the, the actual narrative. It kind of it didn't work. I mean, like I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I hate Weinstein Brothers. I mean, I, I'm glad I'm <laughs> glad he got me too. I mean, Jesus, these, these, these people are the worst.
0: Yeah. I, I'm really skeptical about anything like American, uh Chinese movies, you know, I mean, obviously, like you know like Jackie Chan does you know a little bit of both you know but um but still like Rush Hour
1: Rush hour is okay yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I approve Rush Hour yeah but I I, I, I know what you mean I, I I'm thinking about that um American remake of Journey to the West right they had a uh, some white actor to be reincarnated basically to go to To be inserted into the journey of the West story, but with like the actual big stars like Jackie Chan and Jet Li playing kind of like a side character. (laughs) What movie was that? Uh, yeah, just just search for "Journey of the West" remake with Jackie Chan and Jet Li. I think that's one of the few films that Jackie Chan and Jet Li star together. uh uh, and and I just but they just have to insert this American white teenager as the protagonist,
0: Oh yeah, I th- I'm I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's kind of weird.
1: So yeah, best- I mean, I I, <laughs> pro- I will probably still see the Mulan movie um, because you know my fiance wants to watch it. She's a big fan of um, she's a big fan of the original cartoon, uh, and, and so she's really interested to see what they do with the live action version. Um, I, I will still watch it, but I'm, I'm not having too much expectation. Me too, point. yeah.
0: Yeah, so people want people can go on mulanbook.com and they actually have the ballad of Mulan, the whole thing there. You can read it yourself. Mm. So Oh, so
1: it's translated?
0: Yes, translated, the whole thing. Into English. Yeah, oh, and it has great, a little, little bit of historical background first. Then it has the English paraphrase and in the original uh, Chinese text so yeah
1: yeah so more about uh the ballad of Mulan is that uh, back in those days it's actually not uh totally crazy to have women fight in the military uh in fact uh you know the, the because of the nomadic influence in northern China the women's Um, elevated status actually lasted for a while because, following the Northern Wei Dynasty, uh, you know, during the Tang Dynasty, the Tang Dynasty founder, uh, his daughter, the Princess Pingyang, actually led an army. uh, Literally named the Army of the Lady to help his father to seize the throne, right? And and there's a Great Wall pass that's named after her. It's called niang zi guan, literally "ladies' pass," and and the, the because the, the Tang Dynasty ruling family themselves came from a very mixed Chinese nomad heritage. Uh, you know, they the, originally they came from a frontier town of Wuchuan, which is in today's Inner Mongolia. And then Li clan, they they keep on marrying the 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 nomad uh, aristocracies that rule China for generations and um so by so dur- it's during the tang dynasty that um they're g- we're gonna have the only female emperor in whole of chinese history you know he's she's not just an empress; she is mm-hmm. an emperor in her own name and and this is the imp- uh, empress Wu Zetian, right the only woman in chinese history to sit on the dragon throne to rule as emperor on, on, on her own right. I mean, on his own on her own right. And and the deterioration of the Chinese woman's status really only started after the Song Dynasty because there was a revival. There were at, on Song Dynasty there was a rise of Neo Confucianism, and uh, a lot of the Neo Confucianist scholars argue that women's place is you know at home <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, in combined with serious other events like adoption of foot binding, um, adoption of foot binding became more popularized after Song Dynasty because at that time uh, it started as a, a fetish, a foot fetish of one of the emperor, uh, emperor of Southern Tang. He likes he likes uh, he likes women who you know wrap their foot. Into he likes women with small feet, and so they, you know when they walk, they can have a more like exaggerated gait. And mm-hmm. then all the court women started to start a, a, a fad; they all start to find their feet very tight uh, to gain that exaggerated gait. But during by Song Dynasty, that uh, that fad become propagated from the aristocratic women down to more. Um, middle class. Uh, more So more Chinese women uh, adopted foot binding, which if people don't know, it's a practice that you crush your feet. You know, when you're a little girl, you know, the uh, mom would bind their little daughter's feet. Basically, you bind the feet so tight, it crushes the bone, so the feet grow up deformed. And, and with the foot binding, uh, you know, you can't really... It's really hard to walk, so so which uh, which uh, you know basically you're not gonna have many women warriors when women can't even walk, uh, except except for among um, Hakka, China because because Hakka is one of the few um, people in China they did not adopt the foot binding for their women so. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Hakka women, they have natural feet. So during the Taiping Rebellion in Qing Dynasty, there were again a lot of women warriors uh, among the Taiping rebels. I think Maxim Hong Kingston wrote a wrote a novel about women warrior, uh, and she was also inspired originally by the Ballad of Mulan because you know she grew up in like the Cantonese diaspora family and you know she she couldn't she couldn't figure out like how is it possible to have women warriors when you know the, you know the the role role for women in traditional chinese society was so restricted mm-hmm. and and so she did research and she found out about the, the women rebels in the in during the Taiping rebellion and she she wrote think she wrote a book about it named woman warriors let me let me look it up woman warrior by maxine Hong Kingston. it's called yeah it's called the woman warrior by maxine Hong Kingston. uh so check it out check out that book i, I do, do do recommend they're kind of
0: spin-off uh, yeah.
1: I have a question like Mulan. or comment. Yeah. Can you talk about, I
0: yeah. think on your, on your Twitter feed, you talked about how the communist party make comic books about Mulan. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, for when I was growing up in China, right? Like how I learned about the traditional Chinese history as a child, is through comic books. And, and in fact, in 1950s, um, the Chinese uh, Communist government—they basically gather all the best artists in China, and they commission them to produce comic books. Because before, before uh, People's Republic of China, large majority of Chinese population are illiterate. About like nine eighty to ninety percent of the Chinese population are illiterate. They couldn't read. So to improve literacy, they thought a good way. Uh, to promote literacy is by these publication of comic books, right? And then it's fewer words and much more visual aid. And so they, in order to increase liter- literacy rates as well as popularize Chinese classic, uh, Mao's government organized the best Chinese artists into producing comic books for the masses. And the result is some amazing, amazing comics. And there's some. I posted some uh, screenshots of the Mulan comics on, on 1950s, yeah. uh, and you can see they have some amazing, amazing art. It is. And this is yeah. kind of the, kind of the uh, the artwork I grew up with. You know, you, they, they, these books get republished after Cultural Revolution 1970s, and you know that these are the groups I, I these are the books I grew up with. Learning about Chinese culture as a Chinese kid growing up in China.
0: So I have a question in in the comic books, do they get deeper? Do, do they make more stories up in, in within, the, within the, the you know the Ballad of Mulan, or do they stick with the straight poem?
1: Um, it's uh, okay. So it it there's a couple ver- there's many versions of comic books. Actually, um, they what the, the Ballad of Mulan is. Uh, is in classical Chinese, yeah. right? So they basically translate it into colloquial Chinese, um, and uh, there there are versions where they have more details about the ballad Milan. I mean, in terms of details, is I mean, there's probably a lot of artistic license they created more of the story.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's a good thing, you know, you know, we for people to tell our own stories instead of, you know, like, um, Western, you know, uh, depictions of us, you know, but it's the same thing. Yeah, in, speaking
1: in, in, of, go ahead. Speaking of that, uh, Vicky Zhao actually made a Mulan, like a Chinese Mulan movie back in 2000. 2000- 09. There was a Chinese uh, Mulan movie look this uh, from basically 11. What? Yeah, 11 years ago. What's the, uh, what, what it's year? okay. It's
0: it's. We're back. We had a technical difficulty, but I was asking what year was that Mulan movie? 2009. Oh it's yeah, I see, uh, yeah two. I see it. Yeah, I see it.
1: Yeah, I think Donnie Yen is in that movie
0: too. Yeah Donnie is in everything. I was. I was watching.
1: I watched that movie. I think more for Donnie Yen.
0: (laughs) I was watching Blade the other day. I think it's Blade number Uh two, and I saw Donnie Yen. I was like, "What the fuck?"
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny that people only American audience only discover him after the Star Wars. But he's been in in the Hong Kong movies forever. Like, yeah, like I I think that my first Donnie Yen movie was uh, Jet Li's Once Upon a Time in China number two, mm-hmm. and he was like a great. He was a they had a great fight scene at the end. That that was one of the I think the top fight scene between Donnie Yen and Jet Li.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think they give Donnie a good enough. Role in Star Wars, but that's just my opinion. You know, he could have done better. Oh yeah.
1: I, yeah, I didn't even watch the latest Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but I mean, I'm glad he got the exposures. You know, like it to 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 more to more Western audience. I, I do recommend people to search out Donnie Yen's work in earlier Hong Kong movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, I still haven't seen that Chen Zen movie. the 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 What the one with Donnie? I still need to find it. So yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I I saw the beginning. It looks amazing. Like the there was a scene where, um, basically, it, it depicts the uh, depicts Tenzin as a p- participating in the Chinese labor corps in World War One. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't know, but during World War One, over two hundred like a hundred near two hundred thousand Chinese labor were sent to. The West Front, you know, in Belgium, in France, mm-hmm. and they were sent to like dig trenches, you know, clean up bodies after after the battlefield, washing tanks, working ammunition factories, and um, and and this is the first time. I mean, that that's movie is actually the first time I seen Chinese labor corps get depicted uh, in a movie. And, and there was a great fight scene when he uh, take a knife and go against a German machine gunner. Yeah. So uh, the the only gripe, of course, is that the director probably not very familiar with the German uniform in World War One. He has all these German uh, soldiers wearing like basically World War Two German uniforms. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but but you know you just you just ignore that because the fight scene itself <laughs> is just amazing. It's like Donnie Yen literally takes a knife to a gunfight and he wins.
0: So you saw the you saw the whole movie then, you know, or just the beginning?
1: That's the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah because
0: just like, just like, just like I, the I find the,
1: like ten minutes
0: That's a, five that, minutes. I find I find a little um, a curious that he's wearing like a kato outfit on the cover of the movie. <laughs> I was like, that's like two different Bruce Lee characters mishmashed together, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it is a homage to, because Bruce Lee is a, is the first one that made the Tenzin yeah. character famous in Fist of Fury, right? That's, yeah. a, that's after that, you know, every, every Chinese martial artist have to reprise that role. You yeah. know, after, after Bruce Lee was Jet Lee, Jet Lee did a, what Fist of legend? Yeah, yeah. Also as a ten and then yeah, yeah. Watch, watch all of it. It's it's great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, have you seen? Bruce Lee, yeah.
1: Lee Yen—they're yeah. all uh, awesome.
0: Have you seen uh, Red Cliff?
1: I have, I have. So, um, I have I have conflicted feelings about Red Cliff because uh, this is kind of the Jiang Wu's first, uh, like historical piece, uh historical epic uh there's there's a lot of you know they, he has a lot of budget and there's a lot of great actors but I feel like he it, it started out great there was two parts so I saw the uh not the 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 water dong uh, international release of bridge version I saw the original Chinese version which mm-hmm. is in two parts you know like a part one and part two the part one I really liked uh, the part two, I thought, it was a little too over the top. It's 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 too Zhang Wu sentiment, sentimental, too um, Wu But the, the part one, I really liked. It. That was great. Uh, but a lot of a lot of my my American friends liked it. So,
0: so okay. One last question before we go. go I know you have technical difficulties. <clears throat> so, okay. if if you were to uh, give advice to Americans to watch what's the the top three uh, Chinese movies you recommend?
1: Top three Chinese movies. Oh, wow. You put me on the spot here because uh, okay. (laughs) I highly recommend Stephen Chow movies. So, you know, like a lot of people probably already seen Kung Fu Hustle and Shaolin Soccer, right? Those are his most famous work. But I would recommend his earlier work, like from 1990s. There's a there's a um, movie called The Chinese Odyssey. The Chinese Odyssey, Pandora Box. Uh, I think Pandora Box is a part one, and there's a part two. Like, the Chinese Odyssey by by Stephen Chow. Look it up. It's in the 1990s. It's, it's hilarious. Freaking hilarious. I, I recommend that. Um, and also, the, the latest Stephen Chow movie, um, uh, uh, The, the, the Journey to the West movie, not the second one, but the, the, the first Journey to the West movie by Stephen Chow. That one is pretty good. Uh, it's more like steering towards a scary movie uh, genre. And then there's, uh, okay, so, so do watch Wolf Warriors too. I enjoyed it. It's like the Chinese Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, 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 Oper- Operation Red Sea. Uh, it's it's a little bit over the top, but you know, I, I enjoy it. I I as entertainment I, I enjoy it.
0: Okay, that's um, awesome.
1: And uh you know people don't like uh so so you, you brought up Zhang Yi most hero, right? So yeah. I actually prefer his uh following film, House of Flying Daggers.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen that, like yeah. That,
1: yeah, I like I I actually enjoy the House of Flying Daggers, uh, as an entertainment piece. And uh, I'm trying to think any like recent Chinese movie I really like. I mean, like a Chinese TV drama I would recommend is "Longest Day in Chang'an." The longest day in Chang'an. It's um, it's it's uh, it's a structure almost like twenty-four, but it's talking about uh, like twenty four hours that happened in in Tang and during assassination plot against the tang emperor hmm. uh but it's 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 good it's good i i i highly enjoy it it, it really it it really did a great job recreating the tang dynasty at its peak so i I highly recommend
0: I think the last uh movie I watched was the last emperor I think we talked about that so i, I show ah, my i show my wife that yeah
1: yeah, that that's an old movie. That's like nineteen eighty. I know. <laughs> um, I, okay, so I, I for car, for animation, uh, I would recommend Zushi for people who can get on YouTube. "呃魔道祖师" uh, it's a, it's a great. I think it's it's a great example of the latest Chinese animation. It's 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 just amazing.
0: Awesome. All right, so I think, you know, I want to let you go because you have your, your you know, t- t- uh, technical difficulties. I appreciate it, and if people want to look up the Ballad Battle of, Battle of Mulan, they can, um, but thank you. Don't hang up yet, please. <laughs> okay.